Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. All right, a few weeks ago I preached on being wounded and bruised. Do you remember that sermon? About having your feelings wounded and bruised. If you didn't have a chance to hear that sermon, you can get it on our podcast. And uh, so sometimes people can mess you up if you let that happen to you. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I want to talk a little bit more about that in a, a kind of a little bit different way instead of being wounded and bruised, kind of like being uh, irritated and ticked off. I, I, I'm going to call this joy is what I'm going to call this sermon, joy. I'm not going to call it irritated and ticked off. But uh, I, I do want you to know that that's one of the things that plagues most people to being irritated and ticked off. And so uh, as the, the purpose of this message today is understand Jesus was never irritated or ticked off. He never, he never let that happen to him. And so uh, we're going to see how he dealt with people that would be an irritation, people that would be uh, uh, harassing, people that would be in the neighborhood of uh, driving you up a wall. Uh, how did Jesus deal with it? And trust me, uh, probably most of us in this building today need to change the way we deal with it, okay? So that's what this sermon is all about today. I hope it'll help you. Take it home and uh, listen to it over and over again on the podcast. It'll be called Joy. So that's what I'm going to talk about. Anybody ever tick you off? Oh, yeah. Does anybody get under your skin? Well, I got the amen corner going today. Do you ever get sick and tired of a whiner at work, habitually complaining, turning you in, griping about you? Have you everybody, anybody had any of that happen to you? A mouthy neighbor, someone at school, a, a, a parent or a teacher or a coach or somebody, the jerk at work, always stirring up trouble. You remember that one? An obnoxious in-law mm. or a family member, obnoxious? Yeah, that's in there. Have you ever been falsely accused or gossiped about behind your back? Wow, have you ever had a so-called friend desert you? Well, take heart. You're not alone. This morning, I want to encourage you to take a step forward in Christian maturity. Say, Christian maturity. I want you to take a step forward in Christian Maturity, stop being troubled. High five somebody and say, hey, stop being troubled from me. No. <laughs> Set your mind at ease. Stop being troubled. And so uh, start using the Jesus approach to people and all things around you that seemingly want to irritate you, harass you, tick you off. Psalms 37, 1 says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Irritation and harassment are tools that Satan deliberately uses to rob Christians of their joy. I want to say that again because this is the crux. If you want to write it down, feel free to do that. Irritation are tools that Satan deliberately uses through people and sources to rob you of your joy. He'll use anyone or anything that he possibly can to irritate you or harass you and to rob you of your joy. And my sermon this morning says this, stop falling for it. It's a trick of Satan. It's not wounded and bruised. It's irritated 
and ticked off. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and that's a given. And so we need to hang on to the joy of the Lord. And if the joy of the Lord is our strength, then that's exactly where the enemy is going to pound on you and try to get you to lose your joy one way or another so that you will lose your strength in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 declares this. It's not the people that are the jerks that's bothering you. It's that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rule of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If you are a child of God, I want you to know something. Satan does not like you, and he'll use any means he can to tick you off and to rob you of your joy. So the next time you start getting ticked off and irritated by somebody at work, suck it up. Because, you know, you need to understand that's not that. That's not them. That's not what it's all about. It's a spiritual battle that I'm getting ready to face today. Galatians chapter 5, the scripture defines a Christian and it defines a sinner. The Christian, uh, he defines a Christian as a, as a, a person who is the fruit of the Spirit. That's who our nature is. That's what a Christian is. And a sinner or a non-Christian is one that is described by the works of the flesh, which is the nature of a sinner. And so the Bible describes the nature of a born-again Christian like this, love, unselfish love, benevolent, a concern for the good of another, the fatherly concern of God for all humankind, brotherly concern for others, a person who adores God. The, the Christian, is, the nature of a Christian is, first of all, love, joy, state of happiness, peace, freedom from having oppression and thoughts that disquiet you, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, Huh? temperance, pat yourself on the back and say, yeah, that's me. Come on. Yeah, that's me. Come on. Come on. Yeah, that's me. Sometimes. And then there's the nature of the sinner. And the nature of the sinner is this. It's the nature. Adultery, voluntary Sexual intercourse between a married person and someone other than the person and their spouse. Fornication, consensual sexual intercourse between persons who aren't married. That's fornication. Uncleanness, lasciviousness, lustful, idolatry, witchcraft. Hmm. Hatred. Hatred, yes. Extreme dislike or disgust. That's hate. Got anybody out there that you have extreme dislike for? That jerk at work? Hello? Variance, dissension, disputes. This is the work of the flesh. This is what's the nature of a sinner. Emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, murders, drunkenness, revelings. And then the main one is this, envy. Say envy. And so what I want you to understand today is that the enemy uses the nature of a sinner which has its birth and its foundations in envy to tick you off and harass you. So before becoming a Christian, the works of the flesh constitutes the nature of a sinner. All mankind. Now, sinners don't necessarily practice all of these things, 
adultery, fornication, anger, all these things. They don't necessarily practice them, but the sin nature, the works of the flesh, are born in the sinner. They're born in all of us when we're born into this world. It's our nature that we're born into. Is that nice? That's why babies spit up on you. Now, sinners are strongly encouraged in the Bible to be born again, to lose the sin nature and acquire a Holy Spirit-filled nature, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, temperance, faith, which is against us, there is no law. And when a person gives his life to Jesus, he becomes a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. He becomes born again, born without the sin nature, but with the Holy Spirit nature, nature of the Spirit. The works of the flesh, when you get saved, are no longer your nature. Now, this is a subject that people just take real shallow. That Most people take this subject real shallow. Like, oh, I'm a Christian now, so I guess I better not be angry with everybody. And so they think that there's a war in your nature. The Bible says there's a war of the flesh against the spirit. That's kind of a different thing. And so we take real shallow that, oh, I got to be real careful not to hop in the sack with somebody else's wife. That's shallow. Most sinners don't do that even though it's part of the sin nature. Hello? Most Christians don't do that, even though some do. And so when you give your life to Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, something changes. You're born again. You don't have the nature of the flesh anymore. You have the nature of the spirit. And so then what happens to the works of the flesh when you get saved? It's no longer your nature, but it's simply reduced to a temptation, right? There's no temptation given unto man, but what God has made a way of escape through the Spirit. And so it's not your nature to be angry and resentful and hateful. You don't have to deal with that all the time. It is a temptation. Sometimes you feel like punching somebody out. I did that once. But I got the baloney beat out of me. <laughs> no, not really. I, didn't. I never have. The sin nature, the works of the flesh, where it says we war against the works of the flesh, all that really means is this. Be on guard because you will be tempted. Don't fall for it. But if you do and you stumble and you make a mistake and you ask the Lord quickly to forgive you and to set you back on the right path, he removes it like it never happened. Christians don't have the sin nature anymore. They're born again. But Satan will use the tricks to try to tempt you to use the old nature, which we repent of. Get yourself up by the bootstraps, back on track. It's not your nature. It's something you just have to deal with. So where do the works of the flesh try to attack the born-again believer? <clears throat> Where do the works of the flesh 
try to attack the born-again believer. I'm not talking about wounded and bruised. I'm talking about ticked off and irritated. Where does Satan try to attack the believer and through who and by what means does he do this? He uses the works of the flesh to tick you off and irritate you so that you will lose your joy, which is your strength. We need to be aware of the wiles of the devil. We need to understand how he operates. And so the next time somebody at work irritates you or ticks you off, you don't look at the person as being the tickor and you the ticky. You understand that Satan is using their sin nature to attack your joy so you lose your strength. Not only physically, it'll exhaust you. Mentally, it will exhaust you. Spiritually, it will exhaust you. And when you understand that Satan is working through that means to get to you, you won't let it get to you anymore because you'll recognize it as a trick of the devil, not a work of the flesh of an individual. You see, the works of the flesh, yes, they are the nature of the individual, but it's the toolbox of Satan to ruin your joy and lose your strength. Ticked off. And so by what means does he use? Well, Allison says, once in a very small while you hear good news on the news. Meaning, most of the time, the news is a bunch of junk. Have you ever noticed, and have you ever said that, why don't they put the good stuff on the news? Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? Get up in the morning. Well, there's four shootings in Kansas City today. And Iran sunk another ship, hello, that belonged to Italy. All the bad stuff. Have you ever noticed that the news is wrapped up and controlled by and is all about the works of the flesh. Adultery. Well, guess what? Senator did this. Guess what? There's a child abuse. All this stuff that comes across the news. Have you ever noticed it has its roots in the works of the flesh? Why is that? Well, murders, envies, strifes. Guess what? Somebody shot so-and-so down here at the 7-Eleven. Why? It has its birth. It has its foundations in the fruit, in the works of the flesh. Because if you suck up the works of the flesh, it is designed to destroy your joy so that you lose your strength. And so you start out in the morning down in the mully grubs because somebody, the Satan is hitting you with the works of the flesh through channel whatever number. You say, well, I can listen to the news and I can dissect it. And I can get the good out of it. I can get the good weather out of it. It's going to be 109 degrees, going to feel like 406. (laughs) Discouragement. 
bad news. Why listen to it? Sometime it'd be real nice if you and your family had a chance to move in with Brandon for about a month and listen to the way he gets up in the morning with gospel music and T.D. Jakes and on and on and on. Spiritual leaders, spiritual songs, singing, making merry into your hearts, and you'll be sitting there wondering, well, aren't we going to watch the news? You see, what is the news? You understand then it's not just a bunch of bad junk. It's a tool of Satan to use his toolbox, the works of the flesh, to destroy your joy so that you will lose your peace. No wonder you go to work all day, you know, all down in the mulligans. Are you getting the message? How else does you? Have you ever wondered why Hollywood, it's movies, it's cartoons, is based on the works of the flesh? Have you ever sat down and listened to cartoons argue back and forth and fight? You know, if you don't believe me, watch your kids take, what's her name and what's his name? You know, the ones with the long hair and all the rest. Barbie doll and her buddy. and the, Listen to them fight. You know? Have you ever known, where do you think they get that? They get that from Hollywood. That why do you think that they throw adultery, fornication, uncleanness, immorality into a movie, even if it's a three-second slip in there so that they can R-rate it? Have you ever noticed that almost 90-some percent of the movies that come out of Hollywood have their base in the works of the flesh? And the works of the flesh is not just something that a person possesses. It's the toolbox of Satan to destroy your joy lead you down the wrong path, on and on. Oh, boy. Have you ever noticed that? The third way that Satan attacks the joy of the believer is through the means of a non-believer. It's a big one. Someone at work reports you, writing you up, accusing you, falsely accusing you. Hello. They're not keeping up with you. You're doing twice the work, but they're the ones with the bad mouth. You know what I'm talking about? Don't you just love the guy that gets the promotion that spends most of his time sitting on the toilet reading a newspaper while you're out here doing all the work? Isn't it interesting that they get the promotions and you don't? Hello. That you, that you come in early and work late? They come in late and leave early and they get the promotion? Did you ever notice that? Well, guess what? The Satan uses a means of a non-believer, someone at work, a disgruntled neighbor, an unhappy relative, an in-law, a customer who ripped you off, someone you loaned money to and they won't pay you back, a wayward child. Isn't it interesting? That's the toolbox of Satan for you to get ticked off at it and get upset and carry it around and tell everybody and lose your joy and you wonder why you're exhausted at the end of the day. 
When it used to be before this deal, before newscasters, before all that stuff, people could wash the laundry by hand, rake the lawn by hand, take all the weeds out with a hoe, come home, have a piece of bologna, hello, or what do you call that stuff, spam. And then start living it up. Well, what do you do? You come home from work, say, thank God, seven and a half hours. I'm, I'm exhausted. Bring me a cup of water. I'm going to sit here till 11 o'clock and go to sleep. What happened to you? You got suckered in, people around you especially. You got involved in their stuff. You let it irritate you. You let it destroy your joy, and you lost your strength, and you're so stinking exhausted, you can't spend the evening doing anything with the children because you are worn to a frazzle. Why are you worn to a frazzle? Eight hours is nothing. It's nothing. But the stress that Satan throws on you, the attack of the news in Hollywood, and people who irritate you and tick you off robs you of your joy, which takes your strength away, and you are exhausted. <laughs> Fourthly, a lukewarm Christian who's following the Lord in a phony fashion parading and pretending in front of everybody to be a Christian. The Bible calls them wolves in sheep's clothing or clouds without rain. Satan uses them in his toolbox to tick you off and upset you. Pastor, you tell me I should not be upset? That's right, you shouldn't. Whatsoever things are good and lovely, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, and the God of peace will keep you, and you're thinking about all these other things and being ticked off and concerned about them. No wonder you're anti-Christ when you're doing that. You're acting like your old flesh used to act. You're not acting like a believer. You're not being an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, and in deed. You're acting like a sinner who is in the works of the flesh, and you're letting it destroy your light. And when your light is destroyed, you're not a witness, you're not a testimony, and people are thinking they call themselves a Christian. If that's a Christian, bless God, I don't want to be part of it. But when you put away irritation and ticked off and you understand that you've been tricked by Satan to destroy your light, you'll start bringing people to church and winning people to Jesus Christ because that's what Christians are supposed to do. Not sit around, worn to a frazzle, wishing to God we dismiss this thing and send us home before the Baptist beat us to the dinner. Just thought I'd throw that in. If you got a Baptist, friend, give him that podcast. Now, one of the most prominent sin natures, it's the leader of the pack, 
It's the evil behind almost all irritations from the media and the people we come in contact with daily. Galatians 5.21 is envy. Most people that are picking on you and shooting off their mouth and throwing bad stuff your direction and trying to tell you dirty stories and, and problems and all this kind of... Most people that throw that stuff at you, Satan is using them, hello. Most of those people are working out of the work of the flesh. They're people who are full of envy. And a person who is full of envy, they don't expose it in a lot of different ways, but if you're smart enough, you'll realize they're irritating you and ticking you off. They're to be pitied because they're obsessed by a work of the flesh, which is envy. They can never get enough. Everybody's doing better. God doesn't love me as much as I do them. If I just had, if I just lived there, if I just had this, hello, they're they're being destroyed, eaten up on a daily basis by envy, and that's so. Here's how you can tell if Satan is working on you in this area. Here's how you can tell. You think about them all the time. And you talk about them a lot. You think about them all the time and you talk about them a lot. How things go at work? Oh my gosh, you can't believe what he did today. Well, how'd everything go at school? They, oh, you can't believe what they did to me. Oh, you can't believe what that kid did. Are you getting the message here? How can you know if you're being duped by Satan who uses someone who's in the work of the flesh to irritate you and take your joy so that you lose your strength? If you think about them all the time and you talk about them all the time, you're in trouble. Good response. It's the right one. You had the right response there. You had to think about that for a minute. Said, My goodness. Check your conversation. Bible says you can't tame the tongue. It's unruly. You can't tame it. What does that mean? Doesn't mean you're going to go around licking frozen iron. Can't control your tongue. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about out of the abundance of the heart your mouth speaks. And you can come home from work and talk about that person and think about that person who duped you on the job, who, who turned you in, who lied about you, who sarcastically called you a name or something like that, who frowned at you, and you can talk about them and you can think about them till you go to sleep, if you can. And it's a tool of Satan to take your joy so you won't have any strength. Because if you don't have any strength... See, that's why most people don't do nothing for God. That's why most people don't do a thing for God. Because they're all worn out. And Saturday's my only day off. Today, most people don't even go to church on Sunday morning because guess what? It's the only few hours that I've got to wash my car. See? Ask yourself this question. 
Are you spending more time telling everybody in yourself how stupid, tired you are because you have no strength that you can do nothing for God? I sure as the world wouldn't want to stand before God and say, I wasted 110 years. <laughs> I'd rather say I worked hard for 110 years. <laughs> Envy. You go back to work Monday and you, lis you listen to that person, you'll start praying for that person because he is entrapped with envy. And Satan is using them to attack you and you think it's them. So you put on the fisticus and try to fight the battle on their level. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Yes, the person that rented from you didn't pay the bill. Satan used that to tick you off. Forget it. They didn't pay me back. So what? The Bible says if you lend it, if you lend money expecting to get it back, you loaned it in the wrong motive. When you lend it, you don't expect to get it back. If you get it back, be surprised. Now look it. This is what I'm getting at because Brandon says I gotta preach in Mark chapter 15. So when I start preaching, I'm gonna go to Mark chapter 15. But here's the deal. See, people who all operate like bullies are really no more than pawns in the hand of Satan. They're not bullies. They're just being used. And the, the, the biggest problem that Jesus had was from people of envy. Now, which brings me to my message this morning, Psalms 37.1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. That's a good one. Here's one, James 4, 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. It'll flee from you. Here's one, Psalms 37, 7, the Message Bible. Quiet down before God. Be prayerful before him. Don't bother with those who climb the ladder, who elbow their way to the top. Bridle your anger. Trash your wrath. Cool your pipes. It only makes things worse. Before long, the crooks will be bankrupt. God investors will soon own the store. Before you know it, the wicked will have had it. You'll stare at his once famous place and nothing. Down-to-earth people will move in and take over, relishing a huge bonanza. Bad guys have it in for the good guys, obsessed with doing them in, but God isn't losing any sleep. To him, they're a joke with no punchline. I love that scripture. Get over it. Quit being ticked. Quit being irritated. <laughs> They're obsessed with envy. So today I'd like for you to look at how Jesus handled it. Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. And straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. That's the people that Jesus came to give his life for, came to his own. His own received him not. They bound Jesus, carried him away, and delivered him into Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Well, guess what? If somebody asks you a legitimate question, respond to it. Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered, yeah, you said it. I'm it. 
And the chief priests accused him of many things. Now he answered nothing. Hmm. And Pilate asked him, saying, Aren't you going to answer? Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against you. But Jesus yet answered nothing. Why did he answer nothing? Because number one, he was not going to flow in the works of the flesh. He's going to flow in the fruit of the Spirit. He will be impossible to tick him off in the first place. And it's impossible to irritate him. That's why he answered nothing. He wasn't trying to be as Brandon says, smart Alec. <laughs> he likes that about Jesus. He answered nothing. Why? Because it didn't irritate him, didn't tick him off. He wasn't going to let Satan use that satanic tool through the scribes and the Pharisees and the elders to destroy his joy and lose his strength. He's had to go to the cross. He needed all his strength, right? So he answered nothing. <laughs> Pilate marveled at that. Verse 6, now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, you know, Barabbas, which lay bound with them and had made insurrection with him and who committed murder in the insurrection. We had, Judah, we had Barabbas in this church once. Didn't he look terrible? <laughs> and the multitude crying aloud. Now, I'm not talking about anybody who went to church here. I'm talking about a play we put on. Come on. <laughs> Jeepers. Don't try to irritate me. And the multitude, verse 8, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done to them. But Pilate answered them, saying, we will, we will that I release unto you the king of the Jews. Look at verse 10. For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. For envy. So we ask ourselves this question. It's one I've asked myself for years. Why did the scribes and the Pharisees and the church council do that to Jesus? Why did they do it? Why did Jesus just betray him? Why did the scribes and the Pharisees do that? What in God's name catapulted them to crucify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why did they do that? All of history, all of the Old Testament, everything they ever knew pointed to him, yet they did it anyway. Why? Because they were filled with envy. That's why. That's what Pilate says. He knew they were filled with envy. That's why they were doing this. And after today, we know that is Satan's toolbox to use against the Christian who falls for it to rob them of their joy and lose all their strength. You help me out, Ryan. So somebody said. It's a powerful tool that Satan uses. And he uses media, Hollywood, people and false Christians on a continual basis to try to irritate you, stir you up, 
mess with your head, control you for the whole day? Do you ever notice when somebody or somebody ticks you off, you think about it all day long? You can multitask. You can multitask. You can work and think garbage like it's nothing. Stop it. Put it to rest. Don't be duped any longer. If you take this message with you tomorrow, you're going to find out things are a whole lot different at Ford than you thought they were. You're going to find out there are things are a whole lot different on your job, working for the city, working for me. <laughs> on and on and on. Cleaning business. Yeah. The rental business where you rent units, repairing automobiles. Somebody comes in and you worked your fingers to the bone, Kellen, and you've done a beautiful job and something went just a little bit they didn't like, so they start ripping you up. Say, <laughs> rejoice and be exceeding glad, for so persecuted they the prophets were true for you. Great is your reward. Amen. You got the message, you got the message. Are you gonna be different tomorrow? All right, I wanna leave you with one last scripture. One of my favorites, I'll leave you about three sections of this, Psalms chapter 91. And uh, boy, I love this thing. This, this, is a good, this is a good promise that I want to give to you. And it goes like this, Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions under his wings. You will find refuge in his faithfulness, a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror by night. Man, I'm going to read this from a different version if you don't mind. I don't think you have it. I gave you the wrong one. Listen to this. I'm going to give it to you from the Message Bible. You who sit down in the most, in the high God's presence, you spend the night in El Shaddai's shadow. Say this, God, you are my refuge. I trust in you, and I am safe. That's right. He rescues me from hidden traps, and he shields me from deadly hazards. Verse 8, I stand untouched. Watch it all from a distance. Watch the wicked turn into corpses. Yes, because God's my refuge, the high God is my very own home. Evil can't get close to me. Harm can't get through my door. He has ordered his angels to guard me wherever I go. So if I hold, if you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of trouble. I'll give you the best of care if you'll only get to know and trust me. Call me and I'll answer. I'll be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you. And then I'll throw you a party. I'll give you a long life, give you a long drink of salvation. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, deliverance comes from your word. I believe your word is going to deliver us today from evil. I believe this word is going to change our very expression of life and 
love and strength. I believe we're going to see things and spiritualize on this subject because deliverance comes from your word. Thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for freedom because you said who the Son says free is free indeed. Return to me the joy of thy salvation. As David said, create in me a clean heart. Renew unto me a right spirit. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Renew a right spirit in me. And Lord, we thank you that that's what's going to happen to us today. We're going to be different. We're going to stop being ticked off at our spouse. We're going to stop being irritated by the ones closest to us. And we're going to love you and we're going to thank you for your salvation in all things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen.